sing while uh, Called by Name takes a seat. And uh, remember, it's kids' camp time, so if you have a young person you want to hustle them in there, great. If you want to have them stay here, that's great too. And uh, uh, we've got little uh, packs for the kids, by the way, at the information desk. So if you got a young one, we've got a little sack that he can uh, do coloring and stuff. So try to make it comfortable for him. Uh, speaking of called by name, by the way, I want to lift up uh, uh, last uh, Sunday, if you were here, remember I talked about monuments? You need to have monuments, and I gave the example of, a, of having a monument in your house that just like a picture of the church or something. This is like one of the coolest monuments you can have uh, in your life, right? It just points to God. So just, just pick up a bunch of these before you leave today. You know, keep one in your car, keep one in your home, have it sitting around, and when your friends are in your car, put it in. Uh, because then they listen to it and they're going to ask you questions about it. It's just a great way for you to be able to build that monument in your everyday life uh, to uh, pointing to Christ, right? Pointing to the presence of God in your life. So there's my sales pitch and follow-up to the monuments. Um, what we're doing today is uh, finishing up uh, our series uh, called uh, Dumping, Dumping uh, Destructive Behaviors. And uh, in this series, what we've been trying to do is talk about those behaviors that creep into our life uh, that are destructive, obviously, to us and how we can replace them with the behaviors that God wants to build in our life. So if you remember, we've uh, talked about dumping destructive behaviors like complacency, negativity, regrets, and uh, just two weeks ago we talked about uh, stinginess. So hopefully, did you have a generous two weeks? I hope so. I hope you're just putting that on, right? And, and that's what we're talking about, remember? We're talking about, like, putting this stuff on in your character, in your action, in your behavior, just like you, you put on your clothes, right? You just kind of, it is who you are. It becomes just part of the way you present yourself as you make your walk in Christ. But to put on the positive behaviors, to put on the good behaviors in your life that God wants to just keep growing and building upon in you, you've got to take off some old behaviors, some of those behaviors that are destructive. And so today... We're going to focus on dumping that destructive behavior of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Now, this is a tough behavior to talk about. Because I know that when we start talking about unforgiveness, we're going to also talk about some very deep hurts. That there's people who have been in your life and they have done some horrendous things. They have done some intensely hurtful things in your life. And so as we talk about that this morning, I am not trying to make light of that at all. That is a true reality for a lot of us, that we just have some hurtful things that we need to deal with. What I want to talk about today is trying to help you deal with those hurts and move beyond those hurts in a positive, constructive way to be the person God has in store for you. And it starts with dumping unforgiveness. Let me take you into Ephesians 4 and, and show you the, the, uh, the, the shifts that God calls you to. He says, get rid of all bitterness. That's the unforgiveness word in here. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Let's just stop there for a minute. Were those like heavy words? I mean, weren't those kind of like heavy words? I mean, just kind of weighty kind of words, you know? Get rid of all this heavy stuff. Get rid of the harsh words and the anger and the slander. I mean, isn't that what unforgiveness does in our life? 
See, what unforgiveness does in our lives is it gets into our lives and it creates this heaviness where we just live our lives in that unforgiving behavior way. We wrap ourselves in that unforgiveness. And what we think about is, how can we get even? And what happens is when somebody mentions the name of that person that's hurt us, what happens inside of us? All this stuff wells up, right? The anger, the frustration, the, the desire to get even. We even maybe get to that point where we're, we're just hoping to hear news of how something terrible happened to that person in their life. And then we feel, oh, good. Am I on track? You see, unforgiveness leads us into that kind of slanderous, angry, harsh, heavy kind of life. Now, what's in contrast to that in the Bible is the life that God created you for in Christ Jesus. Paul describes it this way. Instead, get rid of the old stuff, put on the new stuff. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Aren't those lighter words? I mean, the second half? I mean, aren't those just kind of lighter words? Tender-hearted, kind. I mean, they just kind of lift you up when you hear them, don't they? You see, that's the spirit that the Scriptures encourage us to wrap ourselves in. Instead of wrapping ourselves in unforgiveness, it encourages us to wrap ourselves in that behavior and in that life that has just a forgiving spirit about us. A light, forgiving spirit, just as Christ wrapped himself in the same forgiveness for us. Why is this important? You need to understand some things about unforgiveness. Okay, and to, to try to get it through to you, I'm going to get out my favorite blanket. Uh, you need to know that when I go home, uh, this is the blanket I'll be sleeping in today about uh, 3 o'clock. Okay, I mean, well, I suppose I do use blankets this time of year, but in the winter, this is on my recliner and I sleep in it. It's a combat blanket too, see that? Yeah. What you need to understand is my G.I. Joe blanket. What you need to understand about unforgiveness? See, unforgiveness puts us in that kind of mentality of adversarialism and combat, right? And we start thinking about that other person that hurt us, and we want only the worst to happen in that person's life. And we just kind of wrap ourselves up in that spirit of unforgiveness, right? We just kind of wrap ourselves up in that spirit and, and we just kind of keep it close to us and we, and we look for the opportunities where we can somehow get even with that person that has hurt us. And here's what you have to understand. What you have to understand is when you wrap yourself in unforgiveness, it's something that you carry something that takes control of your life. The trouble is, the person you're trying to get even with, they just go on living their life. They just go on living their life. I mean, they're just getting up every day doing what they do. They're just being who they are. Uh, maybe it's obviously not the person they're supposed to be in Christ, but they're just getting up every day and they're just doing their life and they don't get ever up every morning and say, Oh, you know, so-and-so is really mad at me. They just go live in their life. You see, what unforgiveness does, it, it does nothing to them, and it does everything to us. Right? Unforgiveness allows for evil 
to get a foothold in our life. You heard that, right? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. You see, when we wrap ourselves in unforgiveness, we're giving evil a behavior foothold in our life. And once that foothold is established, it will continue to look for other opportunities to expand its ownership of our life. Unforgiveness doesn't really hurt the other person. All it really does is start destroying us. We wrap ourselves up in this thing and it becomes a heavy burden in every day. We just put it on and we weight ourselves down. In, in the wintertime when it's really, really, really cold in Wisconsin, you ever had one of those nights where you go to bed and, and you know, man, you're just really cold and so you get up and you put a, another blanket on the bed and then you get up about 15 minutes later and you're still cold and you put another blanket on the bed and, and then you put another blanket. Before you're done, you got like five blankets on the bed and you crawl in there and what happens? You can't breathe because it's so heavy, right? It may be warm, but it's awful heavy. See, that's what happens to us with unforgiveness. We wrap ourselves in the blanket of unforgiveness with so-and-so, and then evil gets a foothold in our life, and now we wrap ourselves in another blanket of unforgiveness with that person, and then we wrap ourselves in another blanket of unforgiveness with that person, and then that person, and before you know it, we get all these blankets wrapped around us, and all we've got is the heaviness in our life. And they're living their life happy as clams, and we're left with the heaviness. You see, unforgiveness, the behavior of unforgiveness, only weighs and burdens us. Here's what the scripture says, Hebrew 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that does what? Slows us down. When you wrap yourself in those blankets of unforgiveness, all it does is slow your life down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. When you put on more blankets of unforgiveness, it just slows you down, it weighs you down, and it just gives evil more opportunity to take a foothold and trip you up. You see, unforgiveness just creates destruction in our own lives. It just weighs us down, it slows us down, and it creates some real destructive realities in our spiritual life. Here's the biggest problem. Unforgiveness? Unforgiveness creates a barrier between us and God. Right? We wrap ourselves in these blankets of unforgiveness. We wrap ourselves up. And now when God, God looks at us, He can't look at us through Jesus Christ. Why? Because we've wrapped ourselves up in unforgiveness. And it creates that barrier between us and between God. Look at what Matthew 6 uh, says. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Sounds good? Now look at the next part. But if you refuse to forgive others, if you choose not to practice forgiveness, if you decide you're going to be disobedient to the desire, teaching, and the will of God in your life, if you decide to ignore what Jesus Christ has done for you, and you hold on to wrapping yourself in unforgiveness, if you choose to not follow the commands of what God has in store for you, and you choose unforgiveness, your Father 
will not forgive your sins. You see what it does? See, unforgiveness doesn't hurt the other person. What it hurts is our relationship with God. It puts a barrier between us and God, and all it does is weigh us down. And that barrier between us and God just starts getting deeper and thicker and thicker. It travels even into this room. It comes even into our worship life. If you look at Matthew 5, Matthew 5 says, So if when you are offering your gift at the altar, you there remember that your brother has any grievance against you, if you're offering your gift where? At the altar? If you're in worship, you see, if you're in the experience of worship where you're, you're coming to be shaped and molded by the Word of God, where you're, where you're coming to know the closeness of God in your life, where you're, where you're coming to experience the good news and the grace and the forgiveness of God in your life, but if you're coming in and you've got all the blankets of unforgiveness on you, it interrupts the ability of God to get through. It interrupts the ability of God to draw close even in your worship. Unforgiveness just puts a barrier between us and God and it creeps into that barrier in our spiritual life, even in our worship. More than that, it puts a barrier between us and God, even in our prayers and the ability to God to work in our life. Look at uh, Mark 11. It says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it let it go. In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive your own failings, shortcomings, and let them drop. See, when we wrap ourselves in blankets of unforgiveness, we interrupt God's ability to hear and work in our lives. We put a barrier between us and God. And that barrier interrupts God being able to shape us, mold us, and fashion us into everything that he has created for us. See, he has incredible dreams and purposes in each of our lives. But when we choose to hold on to unforgiveness, thinking somehow we're punishing somebody else, all we're doing is separating ourselves and putting that barrier so that God can't accomplish what God wants in our life. Unforgiveness simply destroys the opportunities of what God can do, even though God wants to do. Don't wrap yourself in the blankets of unforgiveness. Get the point? Good, I'm getting hot. Let me get out of this. Okay? All right. So what do we do? We let go of the unforgiveness, just like throwing the blanket aside. we got to just let go of it. That's what the text said. Just let it drop. Let go of it. Right. Because we replace it. We replace it with understanding how incredible God's forgiveness is. See, what moves unforgiveness out for us is when we move into that understanding of the depth of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. Now, I know, I know, some people have hurt some of you really badly. I know that. And I am really saddened that you had to experience that in your life. But all I can point you to, all I can ask you to look to, is to know and understand that God has been hurt and is willing to entertain that hurt that you've had because He's been hurt as bad as humanity can hurt any human being. 
See, all you have to do is look at Jesus and the cross and see what he was willing to go through. The hurt, the pain, the suffering, the anguish, the mocking, the spitting upon. Look at what Jesus and the depth of what Jesus was willing to go through. Why? Because he wanted to give you forgiveness. He wanted to be able to let go of all of those faults and failings that you have in your life. And then he simply says, look, if you understand the depth of what I have done for you and how forgiven you are, then you can understand how to let go of what somebody else has done to you. Let me show you in the text. If you go to Colossians 3, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember. Remember. He's pointing us. Remember. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. See it? See, when we remember, when we, instead of concentrating on what that person has done against us, instead when we replace it and we start remembering what Jesus Christ did for us, just because He loved us, just because He chose us, when we remember what He was willing to go through for us, then we can let go and understand that nothing anybody else can do to us can compare to that. And, and the depth of what He did and the depth of how far our sins have been removed. If you look at Psalm 103, it says, He has removed our sins as far as east is from west. How far is that? It's like infinity, right? That's what He's trying to get through to us. Is I mean, it's just like they're forgotten. They're gone. You see, His forgiveness is so extensive that it doesn't even occur to God anymore of our past. His forgiveness is so immense and overwhelming. It never crosses His mind anymore. Now see, the trouble for us is replacing that unforgiveness with the behavior of forgiveness challenges us to let it go. Let it go. And when something happens, and when, when we see that person, or when somebody says something about that person, and, and evil tries to get that hold in us again, we let it go. Because we'll remember. We'll remember the hurt. We're, we're not good at the forgetting part. We'll remember the hurt. But can we learn the immense grace of God enough that as soon as it happens, we just let it go again. And don't give evil that foothold. We just let it go. Jesus tells a story to his disciples to try and get that message through. To, to get the message through to us of how overwhelming, how incredible his grace is to us. And how that should be just poured then into the lives of others as we live, we live our lives. It, it's kind of a long story, so let's go quick through it. Uh, it goes uh, like this. It's out of Matthew 18. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who was brought in who owed him how much? Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Did you get the message? Millions of dollars. How much? Millions. Did you get the idea? It's a lot. Yeah, I mean, the idea behind the text is, look, this is more 
than this guy could ever in his entire lifetime, even if he won the lottery, he couldn't pay this off, okay? This is more money than he ever dreamed even possible existed in the world. This guy could not even get close to making a dent in what he owed the king, okay? He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and he begged him, please be patient with me. I will repay it all. Yeah, right. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and he forgave the millions of dollars. He just forgave. He forgave the huge, immense millions of dollars. You get the point? How awesome is God's grace and forgiveness? Incredible. Now look what happens. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. How much? Eh, a couple thousand. A couple thousand. How much did the other guy owe? Millions. How much does he owe? A couple grand. A couple thousand. You see the comparison? What does he do? He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put him in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man that he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. What was the man practicing? Evil behavior. Unforgiveness. Wasn't he? He was practicing just the word. He was practicing unforgiveness and saying, Look, you owe me, give it to me. Even though he had received this immense grace. You evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid the entire debt. That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Forgiveness can be hard. Forgiveness can be hard. But when you take in the huge, immense love and grace of God that He's poured into your life, it becomes easier. It begins the possibility that can just start flowing from our lives into the lives of other people. And we deceive ourselves if we think we're going to somehow be able to get even and hurt them more than we hurt ourselves. Uh, Nelson Mandela, heard of him, right? Um, he had some pretty horrendous things done to him. He said this, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Get the point? Forgiveness is the behavior that we need to put on because Jesus put it on for us. And when we do that, it begins flowing into other people. And it starts with a simple understanding. You can let go of the unforgiveness in your life when you understand that judgment is God's job, not yours. That getting even judgment, that's God's job and not yours. 
Forgiveness starts to flow in our lives when we leave judgment to God. Look at uh, Leviticus uh, 19. And I like the first three words here. It's just kind of straight at you, isn't it? First three words. You want to say it with me? The first three words. You ready? Don't hold grudges. Anybody confused about that? Pretty clear, right? What's he saying? Look, don't. Don't hold grudges. Don't let unforgiveness in your life. Don't, 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 don't. Don't hold grudges. On the other hand, now here's a great balance in the scripture, okay? On the other hand, it's wrong not to correct someone who needs correcting. He's saying, look, don't hold grudges, but you're not called to be a doormat either. When somebody's doing something wrong, when someone is hurting you, you need to be able to stand up and let them know what they're doing is wrong. It doesn't mean that we become just this wet doormat in life. No, we, we stand up for the gospel of Christ, but we don't need to hold on to unforgiveness. That's the point. We don't need to hold on to unforgiveness. Stop being angry and don't try to take revenge. I am the Lord and I command you to love others as much as you love yourself. There's another great Old Testament verse. It says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Heard that one before? It's a good one. Why? It reminds us we're not in the business of making judgment and getting even. God is the one who's equipped and capable to be fair and to be just. And God will take care of the judgment. And you don't have to. You see, you don't have to worry about getting even. You don't have to carry the weight of that unforgiveness. Let it go. Drop it. Get rid of it. Practice forgiveness and let God take care of it of what is just and right. That's his domain. For us, it's just to concentrate on practicing that forgiveness that we've received in Christ. Now, here's what you're going to find out. If you do this, if you replace this behavior and you start practicing forgiveness, forgiveness will begin to multiply in your life. Forgiveness will begin to multiply in your life. See, if you take off that blanket of unforgiveness and you wrap yourself in a spirit of forgiveness and you start practicing that spirit of forgiveness, it's going to begin to multiply in your life. And as it multiplies, you're going to find yourself coming to a greater point of grace and goodness in your life. You will even get to the point where those people who have hurt you and done wrong to you You'll begin to pray for them. You will. You'll begin to pray for them. Only you're not going to pray, Lord, please judge them and get even with them, right? No. You're going to begin to pray, Lord, get into their life. Lord, take hold of their hearts. Lord, just get into their life in the power of the Holy Spirit and change them into the person you want them to be. See how forgiveness multiplies? It's, it, Jesus does it like this in Matthew 18. He's having a discussion with Peter. Peter says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? So what's Peter doing? Peter's saying, Lord, give me some parameters here. Give me, give me some, give me some you know, scale here. So in other words, Lord, is it okay if I practice forgiveness seven times? But on the eighth time, on the eighth time now, on the eighth time, after I've forgiven seven times, on the eighth time, isn't it okay for me to start practicing unforgiveness? 
I mean, I've forgiven him seven times. What do you want? Isn't it okay that on the eighth time that I get back to the old behavior and I start practicing unforgiveness and say, enough is enough is enough, we're getting even. (laughs) Isn't that what he's asking? Jesus' response is a challenge to see forgiveness multiply in your life. He says, no, 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 Peter, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. What is he doing? He's multiplying. He's calling us to let the forgiveness that we've received in Christ begin to multiply in our life. We wrap ourselves in that spirit of forgiveness. And when we do that, the burden gets lifted. The blankets get thrown off. The weight, the barrier between us and God gets removed. Our spiritual life gets deepened. Our prayer life gets deepened. Our ability of God to work in our life gets opened up and multiplied. And our forgiveness equally gets multiplied. If you're here today and you're wrapped in the blanket because somebody has hurt you so bad, I'm sorry. I really am. But I want to encourage you. Discover the life God has for you. And throw the blanket off. Don't waste your time anymore. Don't waste your life anymore trying to get even. Instead, throw it off and start discovering the multiplying life that God wants for you in receiving the forgiveness that Jesus accomplished for you. And just let it grow. Just let it grow and multiply in your life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. It's such a hard thing for us. We just want to be more like Jesus, and yet there are these things, these hurts, these pains. We just pray, Father, that you would help us. It's only by your power and your spirit that this can happen. And so we ask this morning, just help uh, every person in this room to cast aside any of those heavy blankets and instead to wrap themselves in the forgiveness that you bring. Just receive that forgiveness in its fullest and let it just fill them up so that it multiplies and overflows and all those barriers are removed and you can do more and more and be more and more in each one's life. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for everything he endured. It was so immense. And yet he was thinking of each one of us. Help us now. Help us now to practice forgiveness and we'll be wrapped in that spirit. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen.